You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. Sorry, I was finishing up a workout at the gym, so. You got your priorities straight. I get why you needed to push this session back. I do. I do. Uh (laughs) What did you do for a workout? Um, I'm on a 10 by 10, um, cycle for back squats and then 10 by 10 dumbbell, um, deadlifts and then a bunch of accessory movements. So I'm German volume training right now too. Really? Awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm going up like five pounds each week for back squat. Um, hoping to get to like two, two or five. So those are some numbers. We'll see. It's. It's pretty brutal right now. <laughs> That's cardio by most uh, most of my athletes. Anytime I prescribe over eight reps, they start bitching and moaning about it for some reason. How do you feel? How do you find your body responds to that? Yeah. Like the the ten rep scheme, a hundred reps heavy, compared to like let's say yeah. like a if you're going for raw power, like a three rep scheme. Like what does your body do in response to the ten versus the like three or five even? Anything notable? Um, I, I, my legs definitely get a lot stronger, but then also because I'm more quad dominant when I, when I squat, they're pretty wrecked for like three days. (laughs) So that's kind of my body's response. But by the end of the, you know, the cycle, I definitely feel stronger. Um, I did a 20 rep last year after uh, world's toughest and that helped a lot to just kind of get strength back. You guys also have a lot, you have a lot cooler backdrops than me. I need some shoes or something. (laughs) What's your picture say? Maybe that's sweet and you can tilt your camera. Kind of cool. (laughs) Well, this is my first time through German volume and it is leaving me way more sore than a normal, like three by five or even five by five would, which is weird because sets one through four generally feel like almost like working warm up sets. Yeah. And then on a dime, five, six, seven get spicy. I could start questioning it. Am I going to even finish? Should I weigh down or something like that? And then usually eight, nine, 10 get a little, eight, nine gets a little better. And then 10 is bad. Oh, interesting. But I hit this six, seven low. When I hit like seven, eight, nine, 10, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. But like the first like five to six feel pretty good. And then it gets, it gets rough. The most gains I saw lower body with that was uh you just throw 135 pounds on the bar bracken actually you probably squat this no problem and you just do a 10 minute 10 rep imam just on back squat have you ever done something like that just keep your you get like you're like 25 seconds rest it's a real nightmare but i've never felt more explosive than after i was doing stuff like that and that sound terrible it was terrible. even 135 pounds was awful i truly despise high rep lifting yeah <laughs> it's it's a really uncomfortable feeling for me. I'd rather struggle for three to five than I get. Like, so you're more of a like one rep person compared to like a 20 rep? Naturally, that's what my body wants. But yeah. I get, I think by nature of that, I get a lot out of high rep programs. It feels to me like high rocks work and like ultra work where I don't think it'll help me one bit in the moment of any one exercise in the future. Yeah. But at hour one or hour two or hour four, you can put out. Oh, yeah. Have you done a 20 rep? I've done 20 rep, but never uh, 10 by 10s. What did you you make it up to? Oh, my goodness. This would have been probably six years ago. I started at 135. Okay. 
and and it honestly was really difficult week one yeah it's brutal 20 reps is a lot just the mobility was my issue so i got more mobile as it went on so it actually got easier mm-hmm. and then it stopped getting easier so what, what does that what does that finish at if you start at 135 i don't even remember for i don't know what for you what did you finish at no i mean if you start at because oh. you what did you go up 10 uh five every week or five, five every three. session yeah yeah and, and i think we were doing it three times a week okay two i don't remember it was six years ago yeah that's 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 a lot though he remembers everything he's just keeping it to himself because he's embarrassed of his numbers uh-huh. i'm not dumb enough to do that yeah um because it's terrible i think hunter got me on it the first time yeah that sounds he seems about to right. get everyone on these sounds about right i think that's when i first did it too so yeah. um Katie, where are you? Uh, where are you coming to us from? Um, I am in Boulder, Colorado. You're in Boulder. How long have you been in Boulder? I don't believe you like you didn't. You're not from there, right? No, I was born and raised in Iowa, um, and then I've lived in Boulder since 2015, 2016. So it's been a while. Iowa. I feel like you're one of us. <laughs> I'm Midwest, born and raised. Where in Iowa? Uh, right outside Des Moines. Okay. That's probably what closer closer to you or me. I don't know. Lisa was doing this workout program in the basement. Yeah. And it's like a group fitness program on Beachbody. Okay. Yeah. And the, the 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 guy leading it was like, "And you, where are you from?" And the the girl's like, "Utah." And he's like, "Oh, the Midwest. I love it." She's like, "Yep." <laughs> We're like, "What?" <laughs> Iowa. You, Utah? The Midwest? It's not the Midwest. <laughs> and she agreed with it. She's like, yeah. Maybe she didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a Midwestern girl. That's a chance. That's true. That's okay, true. yeah. I, well, I'm in Minneapolis and Bracken's in Milwaukee. So okay. Okay. It. Yeah. It's probably, I mean, Iowa was, when I grew up there, it was just super cold. Are you guys just freezing right now? No, we're tough. Actually, I've been, <laughs> I've tough. been bitching about the it weather does, already. It does make you tough. Bracken? We're having a really mild winter. Oh, that's good. We were supposed to have a snowstorm. It just rained. Oh, I would take that. It snowed a couple times in Boulder already, and then the mountains have had more snow than they've had in, like, the last couple of years, which is great for, like, skiing and snowboarding. But And then it melts within a couple of days, so it's pretty cool. I like Boulder You guys a lot. have it good there. Yeah. What, um, what made you move out there initially? Um, I actually moved out there for um, an ex got a job in Boulder and then I just kind of stuck around and I haven't left. So hmm. most people seem to do that except Bracken. He came back <laughs> <laughs> for some reason. You're the only person I've ever met Bracken who like went out there and then were like, nope, and came back. You're one. I've known 150 that went out and never left except you. Why, why did you leave? Yeah, Bracken. We had two kids. Lisa was pregnant with our third and the kids were starting to ask almost daily for cousins and grandparents. And so we came home for family. Got it. So the whole family. Yeah. If there were no kids in the situation. We'd be out. And we still talk about that. Endgame might still be Colorado. Right. But right. It, it, was, it was, it was life situation. Not, not our personal not choice. Yeah. Choice. Yeah. My whole family. So I'm one of six kids. Um, 
everybody's back there. I have 13 nieces and nephews, a huge extended family. There's like 50 plus. They're all there. I'm the only one that doesn't live in Iowa. So that's how the Midwest goes. I get it. That's no one like, leaves. It's it's hard. Like, yeah, if I have kids and like they all wanted cousins, I like it would make sense. So, yeah, I don't blame you. Well, and our families live less than mm-hmm. an hour apart. So it was. Yeah. We were Everybody there, lives kind of within like two minutes of each other in yeah. Iowa. So <laughs> they're all down the street. Katie, do you know that you've been on my short list of people to reach out to to chat with for like a year? And I don't know why I haven't reached out. No, like like a short list of like three people. I'm like, oh, I should reach out to Katie yeah. and have a conversation. And I don't know why I have not until this point. I feel like, I don't know if you know what we do over here, but I feel like this conversation is so overdue from my eyes anyways, because like I have so many questions about like who you are as a human and how the heck you became the monster you are. Yeah. And I don't know a lot about your background. Yeah. And you've done some sweet things. You've accomplished some huge stuff. And I don't know why it took this long to reach out. Well, I've only I've actually only been in this like industry, you know, OCR, whatever you want to call it, hybrid for a year. Like WTM was like my first full year doing races. So like I'm completely not a rookie anymore. So that maybe that's why, like, it hasn't been that long um, for you to have to reach out. So, well, when somebody comes onto the scene like that, and then I saw you just, just like death walking at WTM, some videos of you just like practically incoherent. But the thing about it was, is it was like a respect level thing. I was like, like you weren't quitting. You weren't like nine out of no, like 99 out of a hundred people would have been like, I'm out. Like I can't, I don't even know my own name right now. And you're like, that wasn't even an option for you. You were just <laughs> no, like, no, it was amazing. I mean, I, how do you feel about some of those videos of you out there? Just kind of slurring your words. I think it's hilarious. Like my whole family, friends have had a great time mocking me, like making fun of me. So like, I like, it is funny. Um, not in the moment, but like, I didn't even know what was happening in the moment. Um, I didn't know that like, the side effects of hypothermia did that like slurred speech. It was as if I was drunk, like walking home from the bar at like 3am, like physically couldn't walk in a straight line, couldn't talk like the video of me talking. I die laughing every time. I'm like, is that really what I sounded like? Um, so <laughs> I think it's, I mean, in, you know, the aftermath, it's kind of funny, but, um, yeah, there was no like option to quit. We were going to move for 24 hours, even if we had to like warm up and become a human again, um, to go back out. But, yeah, it was I, like, I've never been that cold before. Like, I still can't feel these four fingertips and these two fingertips. Like, it's the feeling's gone. Um, hopefully, it'll come back. The nerve endings are just kind of damaged, but um, still have all my toes. A couple of toenails still missing, but what are you going to do? Everyone I know who did it has fingertip issues right now. Yep. Callie's Callie had issues. Uh, Ian Floyd, we interviewed. I don't know if you know Ian. He did yeah. WTM. We talked to him a couple of weeks ago. He's like, yeah, I still, I was trying to play the guitar for the first time. And it's really weird when you can't feel your fingertips. Everyone got it this year. DJ too. Like he, like he's been chatting with me about it. And like he, I think the sensation is kind of coming back slowly, but um, that's, that's it. Is that disconcerting? Or are you just like, eh, it'll be back. It'll come back. There's always like, you know, consequences of doing something like that um this year that's just one of them um i think it'll take like six months I'll come back. <laughs> that's, that's a different level of consequence just six months yeah it is it is for sure it is but i am super personally curious how you went from i'm assuming like i'm i don't know what your background is but obviously you're an anaerobic monster like you're a powerhouse yet somehow you made it 
transition or or a shot in the dark i don't know i guess we'll find out <laughs> into being good at like enduring right mm -hmm. so i'm curious how how that all goes and we have like a lot of i feel like a lot of our listeners bracken a lot of them are in the ocr realm we do have maybe half just running listeners now but yeah um i think a lot of our base like the ocr crew more is like you like it, it, like like they present as more like oh i'm like in the gym and i'm working on strength and they found ocr and now they're trying to become runners for example yeah and not i don't know if that's the case with you or not mm -hmm. but um i just think there's gonna be a lot of people that's are gonna learn a little bit about maybe i don't know focusing on both potentially yeah and being successful at it but i think um like, I think we got to lay a little bit of a foundation, like who the heck you are, because I don't know. And Bracken, do you know much about Katie? And no. And it's the weird thing, because we were yeah. introduced by a mutual friend a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I learned very quickly through him that like you just do a lot of different type of training. You train how you want to train. You love throwing around weights and doing CrossFit stuff, and then just go out and attack ultras on weekends for fun. And yeah. you're good at them. Whenever I hear that, I always think, A, they're obviously a freak of nature in some regard, but mm -hmm. generally there's only two types of people that do that. Someone with a huge background that makes sense for that, or people yep. that should have had a huge background, and they're just finding out now, like, I can really run. So I, I never, no, I don't know her actual background. <laughs> to me, she's just like, she began a year ago and I know nothing before it <laughs> just jumped right in um which is usually how I like to do things it's just like wing it it's how I kind of got into ultras so uh, a little bit of background I it would probably be the like the latter of those two things so I like realized that I was good at running along the way um I grew up playing every sport basketball I was a swimmer diver um basically every season I was doing something um softball track Never ran cross country. Um, it always interfered with another sport. And then ice hockey was like my big one. Um, so I played hockey all the way through high school and then a little bit in college. Uh, and then I got real heavy into CrossFit in like 2015. Um, and that was like my main focus was competing, um, doing some decently big comps throughout the state. And then uh, a bunch of buddies wanted to run the rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. I was like, that sounds fun. I'm going to go try to do that. I've never ran more than... A half marathon before and my longest training one was like like 20 miles is that 78 miles 50, 50. the rim to rim to rim oh, rim to rim to rim gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. yeah go go yeah. so that's 50 total and then just like a shit ton of elevation gain like 10,000 plus feet so because you have to climb out of the canyon obviously and so I went and did that and that was like really fun I was like oh okay like I kind of like this I like this endurance I like just kind of surviving um and from there I uh, jumped into a couple other 50 milers. How did that first rim to rim to rim go? It was like pretty, I, I finished in like four, 14 and a half hours, um, self-supported because there's no, like, there's nothing along the way. Um, and I mean, my like quads were super sore the next day. Uh, but other than that, it went, it went pretty well. And so I was, like I said, I was like, okay, like I can kind of do this. Um, I still like to throw weight around. So we're going to kind of combine the two. I'm going to run so many days a week and I'm going to lift so many days a week. Um, I'm not, I'm not done. I'm not satisfied with that story yet. Okay. <laughs> what other questions you got? Well, well, you, I mean, I understand because of the type of athlete you are like in your rear view, it's just, yeah, I tried it. I was really sore the next day and I moved on and decided, but rim yeah. to rim to rim is a bucket list for people. Rim to rim is a bucket list. 
Yeah. You have to drop in 5,000 feet, yep. climb out, and then turn around after climbing 5K and drop back in again and then climb out again. So you're basically... Yeah, the only way out is a helicopter. Unless you're close enough to one of the rims, they, the ranger can send a donkey down for you. And the helicopter is expensive. Oh, yeah. It's like 20 grand, I think. So most people, like a big day is to climb a 5,000 foot mountain and then get down and you're smashed at the bottom. But you have to do that again. I, I, I think a lot of people forget how big it is. So when you first climbed out... And you just had to gain five grand getting right back out of that. You have to turn and drop down. What was that second descent? Like if I'm assuming you'd never run a mountain before. Um, so at that point I was doing all my training in Boulder and doing, Oh, you, you were know, out in Boulder by now. in the mountains. Yeah. So I was okay. in the mountains, but I mean, nothing that much elevation. Like I thought you were all. coming from Iowa out there. Oh no, not where we were coming from the flat. So I was in Boulder at that point. Um, okay. so like there's hills in Des Moines. Yeah. There's hills with rolling flats. <laughs> For sure. A lot Some of more. culverts and bridges. <laughs> exactly. Des Moines is hilly compared to the Twin Cities, but true. continue. It is. I mean, mm -hmm. have you guys done Rag Bride before or heard of that? Where you bike across Iowa? Heard of it. You get a decent amount of elevation gain on that. That's a, sorry, that's another story. But um, which <laughs> have you done it? Incorporate biking into like training as well, um, like long distance biking. But yeah, the first. The first like ascent and descent like weren't miserable because you, I don't know, like that wasn't bad. It was climbing out of the South Rim because all it is is switchbacks forever. And that was pretty brutal. And like the sun's about to set, you want to make it out of the canyon. And it's just like, you keep looking up and the wall is just like still there. Um, so I would say that portion was pretty brutal. Well, you used the word fun to describe it. You brushed over and said, yeah, I did rim to rim to rim. And then that was fun. So then I decided to start running a little more. Really, though, is your mindset, was that was it fun? I actually, Like it, the one word, you have one word, fun would be it? Yeah, I, it, it was fun. That's the first time I've ever seen the Grand Canyon. And that could have been why, because of the like, just the situation was fun. If you would have told me just go run 50 miles on the sidewalk. No, I probably wouldn't have had any fun. But the first time I saw the Grand Canyon, like the first, like was when the sun came up and I was at the bottom of the Canyon. And that was just like magnificent. That was really cool. You start around like 2 AM. Um, by the time you get to the bottom, the sun's coming up. So I, like, I had a great time. And I think if I didn't, I wouldn't have jumped into other ultras. Um, and at that point they were just trail ultras, no obstacles, no strength. So then when I jumped into like kind of the OCR world, I was like, wow, this is even more fun. Cause yeah, I got to do like upper body strength. And then I also still get to keep running. So yeah, I would say fun. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. No, yeah, you justify it. I'm, I'm happy with that answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, you probably are. Yeah. Um, anybody who does this stuff should be right. Uh, so how old are you? How old are you, Katie? I'm 30. You're 30. So you've been out in Boulder for how long did you say? 2015? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you moved out there when you were like 23, post-college, mm -hmm. college, I assume, or post-whatever you were doing. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds like you were mostly um, like a like a power athlete. I, I, what did you do in track back in the day? Um, I did 800s, um, but okay. even growing up, like running was not like a focus. Um, I did it in within sports or like to train for conditioning, but like I was never like focused on running or running workouts, intervals, tempos, like anything like that. Track was actually like my least favorite. Um, so I didn't really start like running and training for running until 
after high school, after college, um, until I moved out to Boulder and started running in the mountains. Cause I found like, I hate, I hate running on the sidewalks and that I'll never do a road marathon. I don't think ever. Um, but I found like joy and, and love and running in the mountains. So if you lived like back in Des Moines, do you, could you put up with the running there or no? Uh, that's mostly the reason I haven't moved basically or lived anywhere without mountains. There has to be trails wherever I live or I just, I can't do it because it's, it's what I love yeah. to do like mentally. And then also for like the sports and things I like to do as well. It sounds nice. I have a, I'm on a small lake here, but everything around me is County highway. And so when I leave my house, I get to go run on the uh, side of a 55 mile an hour County highway in all directions. It's wonderful. Do you, any jealousy there? there? You know, that's a whole different type of like mental toughness. Like that's impressive. I don't think that's I crazy. That. <laughs> yeah. It's not great, but, um, okay. So did you show like, um, and I don't know what you swam, I guess I'd be curious what events you swam if you were endurance swimming or your shorter distance, but did you show glimmers of like, okay, like there is some like potential I could sink my teeth into here. Did you not, were you like, did you blend into the pack back then or were you kicking butt? Um, you mean for like in sports? Like, no, well, particularly like track and swimming. Track and swimming. Um, those were actually my like two least favorite. I loved hockey and I love softball and that's where I kind of like excelled at both of those. Um, I, I swam because my sisters all swam and then I went to diving cause I hated 5am swim practice. So then I was a diver for the last three years of high school, which was a lot of fun. Um, I was yeah varsity level for, for, you know, whatever sport I was in. So I never played soccer. That's probably the only one that I, I did not do. Yeah. You and John Albin are the only two who have a hockey background as pro OCR hybrid athletes that I'm aware of. I think Austin Azar. Oh, Austin yeah. Azar Austin played hockey. Yeah. That's true. But it has to drive a ton of glute and, and quad just development. Mm -hmm. Has to. Oh, for sure. And then like you, you, all the like the skating drills that you do as well that's all leg power leg drive mm -hmm. um i played defense so not quite as much as like someone who was a forward but um a backward skating mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm actually not in milwaukee i'm in west dallas which is adjacent but about a, a mile from my house is the pettit national ice center i don't know if you're oh, aware cool. of that it's the uh u.s it's one of the u.s olympic training centers for for skating and they have an oh, wow. indoor track there, which is where I'll go if it's really nasty out. And the drills, any skating-based sport there, whether it's hockey, speed skating, whatever, the drills they're doing looks like the kind of thing you would do if you wanted not to cramp in an ultra or if you wanted to be able to drive power throughout an entire high rocks. Yeah. It is just so, so intense on contract and hold and explode and contract <laughs> and hold and explode. And they're banded. Uh, like speed skater walks and it, they're they're holding for seconds in between each it, it looks really 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 terrible but also mm -hmm. very applicable to endurance sports yeah and we we did that so i played with the boys growing up uh we ha always had like dry land type stuff where we were doing drills like that and then in college it was with the girls um and that was more intensive with you know the off ice type drills and on and then when i was also like probably like middle school high school um when it wasn't hockey season we would jump in me and my like friends and sister would jump into speed skating, um, which was super fun, very hard. Uh, but yeah, 
I think that's probably what kind of helped develop leg drive, speed, endurance. So for sure. So, so as far as, uh, and I want to move on to like where you went to college and played shortly. Mm-hmm. You said it sounds like you played for a brief amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, hockey in college, but like, as far as like, just cause like we have runners that listen to this podcast, yeah. obviously, um, like in the 800 meters, it wasn't like, Oh, Katie Knight's toeing the line. She's going to whoop us all. Like, was it like that? Or was it not? Or was it like Katie Knight's here to like socialize and she has to run around the track as part of that. So that's what she's doing. Like, I'm trying to like wrap my head around like the origin of your running yeah. is what I'm trying to get at. No, that was pretty much yeah. it. I was just there for a good time. It was something to do off season from other sports. I was more focused on. Um, yeah, my running origin really did not start until I threw myself into ultras and then training mileage for that each week. So probably not until like 20, I don't know, 16, 17. So you didn't identify yourself even close to being like a runner until then. No, I, I mean, throughout again, up until that point, I would just run and run for fun. So like, you know, a couple miles each and every day or every other day, something like that. But yeah, not not until I really like thought ultras were fun that I'd identify as a runner. Hmm. <laughs> okay. I can I can wrap my head around that okay. then. So what about where'd you go to where'd you go to college and and play hockey and why did that all sort of come to an end or how did Yeah, so I went to uh Iowa State University in Iowa yeah. for a couple of years. Cyclone. Then, yeah. Um it's my my family's definitely touring Hawkeyes and Cyclones, definitely Hawkeye wrestling, everything else Cyclones. Mm. But um, yeah, I played there for two years, and then I transferred out to upstate New York um, and went to Ithaca College. Wow, and um, that's pretty big time hockey. Like that's you're not messing around. No, like that's I don't know. Like that's like so. Did you pick school based on athletics exclusively? Like um, you're know, like I'm going to Iowa, like to go get an education. You're like I'm going to play hockey. I assume. Yeah, it was more so. That's how I was. It, yeah, it was more so that. Um, and then kind of for school. And then also I was close to family and stuff like that. And, you know, Iowa State's a good good state school. So it was, it was an easy choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what is the collegiate hockey experience like? I know a few, a handful of women hockey players who went on to play in college. Uh, I went to high school with them. And they are some of the, I mean, they're beasts. They are absolute beasts. And it, it's actually very, very intense. And you, I mean, the, the athleticism required, I feel like, um, there's some like tough, like I would say minded women more than anything. Like, I don't mess with her. Like, don't get on her bad side. <laughs> like it's that mentality. I feel like they had, like, what was it? What was it like being in like the collegiate hockey scene? Yeah. It, um, so it was a, a huge transition. It was a huge transition. Um, stop. Do you want to say hi? Let him in. Stop distracting me. <laughs> oh my God. You guys have no clue what I do. Do we have a guest appearance? Hey. He's the worst to have in the room when I'm on any, <laughs> anytime Katie has a meeting. If you guys could just find the dirtiest corner of your brain, I'm usually doing that in the room when Katie's trying to have important meetings. It's very distracting. So usually he can come say hi and then I know you guys, so I can share it with you, but the other people she's talking to, she like <laughs> chokes mid sentence. Uh, it's great. Doug says hi to That's why Katie loses most of her contracts. <laughs> mm. You probably can't hear us right now, Hunter, but do you feel a little left out right now? No, I've been listening in the other room he the entire does. time. Oh, you creep. 
There's, uh, there's one of those play sets where you take the beads and you move it through the metal rod the whole way. And I've been fascinated for about 30 minutes, but my attention span, it eventually reached its limits. Now I'm going to get a bagel. The loop-de-loop's the best one of those. Dude, those ones are so great. You're like, oh, 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 oh. Easily, gets, easily entertained. Easily entertained. If you have one of those at the house, I'll come over. I haven't seen you in such a long time. I miss you, brother. It's terrible, isn't it? I've been a bad friend, Hunter, but sure, I'll, I'll make it a resolution. How about that? Two of you guys I call never answer. It's incredible. We've been talking more <laughs> recently. It's nice. It's nice. You have almost a bull cut right now. I know, dude. It's so bad. It's uh, I don't I'm understand where it comes from. My hair has changed. Like you know, how people like get like their allergies change over the years. My hair has changed multiple times over the years. Like when I first met you and I first started Spartan Race, it was straight blonde hair. I looked like the Brady Bunch, and now I've got this weird kind of um, weird Al Yankovic hair. I pretend that part that him with straight long hair is pretty ridiculous looking. All right, I love you both. I'm going to get food. See you guys. Yeah. See ya. (laughs) All right, we'll kick him out now. Um, What I was saying is that the transition from like high school, growing up playing hockey to women's hockey was super different because when you grow up playing with the boys, it's it's contact, right? There's checking. I've been in hockey fights. Like either the boys don't want to touch you or like they're like ten times more aggressive. Um, which they'll fight you too, which is pretty crazy. And so then going into women's hockey, there's contact obviously, but like checking isn't allowed. So I honestly spent like a decent amount of time in the penalty box, not on purpose, but just like as a defense, like that's how you get, you know, you can only like poke check with your stick to get the puck away where like playing with the men, you hit them and you take the puck. So um, that was a big transition, but I would say growing up playing with the boys was a lot of like helped me develop a lot of mental toughness. Um, Just, I had to stand my, like stand my ground um, and take care of myself out there. I got a glimpse of that this month. My seven-year-old daughter requested to start wrestling. So she joined, we were all about it. Sure. So she joined and the first three practices were great. And on the fourth, she was paired up with someone who did not want her there. And you saw that side to a boy that you don't want to see, which is I'm going to be brutal to you so that hopefully you don't come back. So you'll quit. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And you can see that if you're not the one who's going to quit, you would come out of that with a very bulletproof mentality. Yeah, for sure. Well, good for her. Tell her to keep going. Kick all their butts. It's brutal to watch, but if you come out the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's only going to have great things from doing that and putting herself through it. Um, I wrestled not like competitively, but like, uh, like one of my friends, like kind of got me into it. And I did like one short wrestling camp back in the day, like way Mm -hmm. back in high school, but it's, that's a brutal sport as well. And I know a bunch of States are now allowing women and girls to wrestle. Um, Iowa has like like the bunch of high schools in Iowa I know have girl wrestling teams now, or they're trying mm-hmm. to. So it's cool to see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough sport. You said you got into some fights. Were they with chicks or were they with dudes? In hockey? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how did they? Oh, no. Cause I, so there's only a handful of girls um, like within the high school like division. And then I play travel women's hockey growing up as well. 
but no, it was always with dudes. They always wanted to fight and you're not like, I mean, just like you see in the NHL, like they'll start fights and then they just kind of let them go and then break them up. But it was always with boys. That's so wild. Some of them wouldn't be afraid to really go at you, huh? Oh, no. Were you somebody, though, I could picture you chirping in ears a little bit. You have to talk to out there. Heckling a little bit for some reason. Did you have a comment, Katie? I'm sure I did for some of them. I mean, and they'd be cheap, too. Like, they'd slash. They would do cross-check, like, like Bracken was saying, when they don't want you there, like you would know. Um, what did your dad do? How did he handle that in the stands? He was a coach. <laughs> <laughs> was he on ice the moment some guy started throwing hands at you or did he just let you handle your business? Oh, no, he, he'd let me handle it. He knew I could take care of myself or I'd have to. Um, I mean, he's been thrown out of plenty of games as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, hockey's just a different mentality in sport. It's kind of <laughs> just rough and tough, but you definitely have some words out there and I, I would definitely, um, I would definitely have it coming sometimes. <laughs> okay. Um, what, why is this, I guess, uh, just a curiosity, cause I know it's been this way forever without the, as much contact in women's ice hockey. Like what is, what's the foundation of that rule? Like, I, why? I actually don't. That's just, that's just how it's always been. I've, I guess I've never looked up the origin to why they don't allow checking in women's hockey. It's the same as why a lot of women run four uh, K in high school instead of five K. It started as we need to protect them, and then that's just what it was, and they didn't move past it. It's weird. I'm guessing that's why. Like all the way through, like in women's Olympic hockey, there's just, I mean, again, there's contact, but like full blown like checking is just like not allowed. But it was frustrating and it was hard. And like that would just be like instinct to like go into the corner and like check somebody and take the puck. But yeah, definitely had to learn, spent some time in the penalty box, more so. <laughs> I imagine as a defensive player, it would really limit your ability to play all out because you'd have to always be decelerating rather than allowing the check to decelerate you. And that would really hamstring someone who grew up with that as a skill set. Exactly. Like I said, you could only, you know, poke check with your stick and that's about all you could really do as they're coming at you down the ice instead of step up and and hit. So it was frustrating. I think it's silly. I think it's so silly that there's not checking allowed in women's hockey. Um, I'll have to look that. I'm going to go look that up after this and find out why. I'll let you know. (laughs) I'm sure it's exactly what Bracken suggested. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Something that has no real rhyme or reason other than when the dainty women were allowed to play initially. Yeah. Yeah. They're too too weak. Yeah. Let them hit each other. Yeah. So, so then you, you, so you were two years there and then you transferred to Ithaca, you said in New York. Mm -hmm. Why why the transfer? Did you continue playing? And then what ultimately um, led you to to stop? Because I feel like, like Bracken, you and I both ran in college for four, you ran for four years, right? Bracken, I ran, um, like that's your identity. If you're going to college and you're playing hockey, like who is Katie Knight? Like Katie Knight's a hockey player. Yeah. Like ultimately that's who your identity is. So like parting, like Bracken and I never had to part from that. Yeah. Like we're still runners and we're still, like, luckily we chose a sport that's like one of the few lifelong sports. I can play it by myself, so to speak. Right. Like it's running. I can right. go out my door. Right. It's not so bad. It's like one of the better, you know, got lucky that way, but that wasn't the case for you. So what I'm getting at is like, this was probably your identity at the time. So a shift from Iowa to New York was a big deal to go to Ithaca. You played there. It sounds like. No, I didn't play there. They actually don't have 
a women's hockey team. Cornell does. And that was the goal. So um, the ex I was seeing, he went out and wrestled at Cornell. Um, and so my goal was to transfer out to Ithaca and then transfer into Cornell within like a year or so and then play on their team because that's like big league. So um, Cornell's women's hockey team is very, very good and very competitive. Um, and then I transferred out there. I also kind of wanted to get out of Iowa. Um, I'm not really a homebody. I like to travel. I like to go different places. Um, and so that felt like even though I like love playing hockey again, my goal was to go play at Cornell. Uh, I transferred out there for, you know, an experience to travel to uh, just something new. And so I hadn't been out of Iowa before, like, right, I grew up there, you kind of want to get away. So I went out there, fell in love with Ithaca. um, And then I had like, two years left, or I would have had like, three to four years if I transferred into Cornell. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to graduate, get my degree. um, And, you know, so be it. I had two years. I had, I had a blast. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, have you guys ever been to Ithaca or upstate? Upstate? Yes. Ithaca. No. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a really cool, beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Winters are pretty, pretty gnarly, but it's, uh, it's kind of magical. There's a lot of waterfalls, gorges, uh, lots of things. So, um, yeah, that's kind of why I went out there and then I graduated, uh, had my degree in design. And then when I went to, uh, Colorado, I got my teaching degree and license. So I got my master's and then I taught actually elementary school and kindergarten through fifth grade technology for like two, two years. And then I got into like the fitness realm, coaching certificates, things like that. Oh, it's an abrupt shift twice. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like yeah. to switch things up, <laughs> kind of go all in on something and then, you know, switch over to something that I was trying to find, you know, what truly made me happy. And I don't know why I didn't realize when I was 18 that, you know, fitness makes me happy all day, every day and coaching people. Um, I coached at one of the biggest CrossFits in, in Colorado um, and then worked at some big tech companies. So I worked at Oracle and then I just left Google as a fitness coach and trainer. Well, so I, I, before we move to that next step, I- I would have a very hard time going from being like a collegiate athlete into being like, I'm going to go be a student. Yeah. Which I assume is, wasn't that, wasn't that like a little weird, like your entire life up until you're what, 20 or yeah. 21 at that point, like you had like some sort of like athletic purpose, we'll call it. And then suddenly you didn't like, that's what a lot of the runners struggle with right. is you get done with college and then you're like, or oh, now what? Right. Right. So like, what did you pick up then? Like you're not playing hockey. So what are you doing? Uh, that's when I kind of got into lifting more so. Um, yeah, it was a hard transition, but like, I've never, like, I've always enjoyed and loved playing athletics and doing, you know, playing sports, but it was never like my identity. Um, it's something that I just really love to do, but like, I, I knew like for me, it was like, there was more to life and I kind of wanted to find out and do more. So like the chance and opportunity to transfer out there, like that was that was a no brainer for me. Again, it was with the intention of playing at, at Cornell, so I wasn't going to lose that completely. You said you worked for Oracle and just got done with Google. Yeah. What did you do at Oracle? So I worked for Oracle before COVID hit um, and I was a fitness coach and trainer. So I did personal training, group training, and then I coached classes. So at uh, Oracle, I don't know if you guys know who Eric Rosa is. He was the CEO of CrossFit for a hot second. Mm. He sold his company Mm. to Oracle and he was like, I'll only do this if you build out 
a huge CrossFit rig and you incorporate CrossFit into your corporate health and wellness. So I was there and I was coaching CrossFit classes. They had this like just the most amazing setup in the courtyard um, and inside of like a big CrossFit gym and facility. And so I coached, there's like quite a few people um, within Oracle employees that wanted to come do CrossFit. And then I taught Olympic uh, lifting as well. And then like one-on-ones. So were you out in the Bay Area for that? No, I was, that was, that's in Colorado. Really? So they have, they have a big campus in Broomfield, which is like 20 minutes um, south of Boulder. And then you did the same thing for Google? Yeah. Um, oh, so when COVID hit, I, they let kind of, they let go of everybody um, that weren't like mandatory employees and so, or essential employees. And so, yeah, I just, I worked for Google. They have a big campus in Boulder. Um, they have a bunch of different offices and like one big main one with like a beautiful facility. All big tech companies for their corporate health and wellness have just like the most state of the art uh, facilities. I don't know if you guys have ever been in them, um, um, which is like kind of sad because employees like fitness and like exercise is not their number one priority. So mm-hmm. it doesn't get used a ton. Um, there's definitely like a collective group that just are in there all the time. But yeah, I was doing the same thing. Um, they don't have like CrossFit style classes or anything like that. So I was just teaching like strength and conditioning and then doing a lot of one-on-one personal training. It's a very unique setting. Yeah. I have two cousins who work for Google and that those campuses are out of this world. It's cool. The food's great too. Love breakfast, yes. love lunch. <laughs> I, I didn't work until, so I was full-time salaried, but I didn't work until um, 10 a.m. So I would go for like usually my like really big runs or whatever workout sessions in the mornings and then just like pig out on all the food there, which was great. Um, But yeah, the it's it to me. So I've worked in big CrossFits teaching, you know, classes and helping people like PR, you know, Olympic lifts, which is cool to see, but I love personally love working in tech companies and teaching somebody to squat for the first time, someone who's never been introduced to, fitness, exercise, anything, and helping them fall in love with that. Like that's where my true passion is. First corporate job I applied for after getting my undergrad was at a, a paper mill. Oh. Very different from your high society <laughs> uh, corporate gigs. Those are about as good as it gets uh-huh. in corporate fitness. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Bracken, what were you going to say? I was going to say something, but Kirk, that <laughs> reminded me. We didn't get to this with Macaulay. Yeah. My brother's name's Macaulay. Katie, okay. and we interviewed him a while back. We didn't get to this, but his job in college, he got a job in lacrosse at a literal sausage factory. <laughs> and he was there for 10-hour shifts, slightly hunched over, picking through and taking out the the wow. malformed, disfigured sausages off the line and tossing them. <laughs> it was so bad that his back would cramp because he was just hunched over, just handling the sausages all day. Oh, wow. And he, he quit the day they uh, a guy lost the tip of his finger. And they, uh, they didn't, they never found it. So they just kept, they started the line back up and kept going. And he, he walked out that day, but That's... wait, what, what prompted, what prompted that to enter your brain? Well, she, she, now... Her, one of her first job, Oracle, then Google, which is real nice. And then you were paper mill, which is run of the mill. Oh, but... okay. That's not as bad as the sausage yeah. factory. Yeah. But I don't know. Paper mill struck me a sausage factory like <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this paper mill had a corporate gym that looked like a YMCA built in like 1950. It oh. was real gross, but oh. it wasn't it wasn't a sausage factory. So <laughs> I I mean, I've had like, you know, cr- not crummy jobs, but like hard jobs too. Um I when I so once I like got let go from Oracle during COVID, 
Um, I went out to Malibu, Hunter and I went out there and lived and there was just like no jobs in fitness anywhere. All gyms were shut down, everything. So I worked for one of his friends, property management company. And most of that job included just sanding and staining all the decks in Malibu that are next to the ocean and just like getting torn up by, you know, the seawater and everything um, or the salt water. And so I spent a lot of time just like hand sanding on my knees, like in the hot sun. So if you ever need your deck redone, I'm the one to call. But right. so like, that's not the sausage factory, but it was pretty brutal. <laughs> I mean, nothing's the sausage factory. You're in the front line, that's for sure. Uh-huh. So do you have a, okay, so to put us on track here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do, that's not do, derailing it. That's adding some spice, some seasoning to the conversation. <laughs> Right. Well, I'm just trying to, I'm still putting the puzzle together. So is your, you said you taught, so you don't have a degree in fitness. You learned, you like went to the fitness teaching stuff after formal schooling. Yes. So to speak. Yep. Yep. Okay. So all that was like, you got your degrees and then aren't using them at all right now. No. I mean, like teaching's always something that's beneficial um, for like anything you do, how to teach people, um, which I think helps in my like coaching and like personal training. But yeah, everything was after the fact I've read, you know, I'm kind of like self-taught when it comes to like reading and then have a bunch of like fitness certificates and, you know, um, whatever from like NASA and things like that, which is like the other route you can take if you don't get a, you know, health and, and or exercise science degree. Right, well, from my experience, yes, school laid a foundation. Yeah. Because um, I was a kinesiology major in the next phys and sports psych. Mm-hmm. Um but I will tell you that I learned maybe a tenth of what I implement today in the classroom. And the first time I stepped foot in a gym to actually work is when my true learning began after all. Like the classroom, such little gets learned there until you're actually, you know, walking the walk in the gym. Yep. So like, not that schooling is underrated. I certainly am glad I have my degrees, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even remember half of it. Yeah. To be honest, right? Yeah. yeah so. I'm sure like all learned after and like being like there and experiencing it has been so, so much more beneficial. Yeah. So my last question about that era of your life is, I guess it's actually relatively new is, yeah. is what led to the Google departure? If that was, you said, use the word love about it. Yeah. So what, what led to that? Just athletic opportunity or what? Yeah. I mean, like, so I, like I said, I do love coaching as a great opportunity. Like, you know, one of the best you can get in the fitness industry one thing, a couple things, there's no room for growth. So if you go in as like a trainer and a coach, you're going to be a trainer and coach for however long you're there. There's no room to grow in the ladder unless you want to go the corporate route and kind of be within like the, it's usually it's Exos is what contracts people in for big tech companies. But so unless you want to grow that way. And then the other, uh, the other issue was there was no, no flexibility when it came to travel. So like, I technically, they couldn't let me like leave for like races that, you know, if I had need to leave on Friday or like Spartans ultra world was supposed to be Sunday to Monday. Like I couldn't have taken that Monday off. Um, they're pretty rigid when it comes to like, uh, PTO, um, and a cruise. And it's like one day every six months. And I was like, well, I'm going to borrow. I was borrowing from next year. And I just reached a point that like, there was no more to borrow. And so I kind of had to make a decision and I was like, you know, I want to really focus and dedicate my time um, to training, racing and working with sponsors. And so to do that, 
it was hard to find time to make content, to train, um, and then travel for races. So that's something that I can always go back to, I think, if I want in, you know, five, 10 years or something. But for now, I really want to just focus on this. That, <laughs> that maybe is the most valid excuse, or not excuse, <laughs> but rationale I yeah. heard from why an athlete went full-time in on their craft. It's yeah. usually something less concrete and defensible than that. Well, good. I'm glad that sounded great. <laughs> yeah, it passes our BS meter. Yeah, All right. <laughs> I bought it. Yeah. What year was that that you left Google? This was in April, I left, or May. Okay. No, I left in August. <laughs> I can't even think. Yeah. So August I left. Oh, well, you're talking like four months ago, August, five months, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this was very recent. Oh. Yeah. So you were a full-time employee, full-time just hustling in the fitness world up until August. I had no idea about that. Yeah. I, th The things you've been doing, I assume that you've been kind of Because I've been traveling for a while. And PTO from next year, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm curious okay. then, what, what changed between then and now? Like, how has it changed? Because my, t my advice to athletes typically is if you can't make it with a job, you can't do it without a job. Right. Because you're not going to know how to handle the freedom of it. You have to be able to do it with small amount of time to be able to handle big amount of time. And you obviously could already, you were doing it. But so what, what happened to your training and your life when you no longer had those confines? Right. It's actually, that's a, that's a interesting point. When I was full time, it gave me more structure to my day. Like I knew I had to get my training in between these hours and then work and then whatever else, you know, um, which I, that I, I enjoy that a lot. I like structure. Um, I like routine. And so not having that was a definite shift, but I used to be a remote, uh, I used to work remote as a designer. So I kind of already have that mentality of how to like run my life with that much freedom. Um, and so now I, yeah, I have more time in the day which is what I wanted to focus on training and then training my clients and then creating content, which unfortunately, like I don't love it to create content, but like for sponsors and brands, I know it's essential. And so that does take time to create things, videos, whatever promotions. So um, it was a shift, but like, I kind of already had that in my back pocket of how, how to run my life with that much freedom. But that's a, that's a great thing to say to people wanting to kind of go full time in their craft or sport. How many times do you hear Like, if I just had that person's life, I could do it. No, you oh, couldn't. Yeah. You couldn't yeah. cause you can't do it now. Yeah. They could do it with your life. Yeah. I think it's easier with the full time. You have to hustle and you just have like structure. I loved it. Um, but like, I definitely needed more freedom and time flexibility with traveling. That was the, the biggest reason is to be able to travel, um, two races to get there, you know, on a Friday night to mm -hmm. race Saturday. So, yeah, that makes sense. So, so bridge the gap for us then. So you get done with school, you're out in New York, you're not an athlete, so to speak at this point. And then sudden, so you're doing CrossFit now, it sounds like, like you're going to CrossFit boxes and you're participating as like a, as like an attendee of these initially, right? Like you're fit, you're just working on your fitness, mm -hmm. gotten to weightlifting, gotten all that. And so is it as clear as like you went and did rim to rim to rim one day with an invite and like that is actually like one bookend to like your endurance chapter, like that's definitively where it started? 
Like you weren't dabbling beforehand. You rim to rim to rim, and then we're like, "Yep, I'm gonna do this now." I think like it's that cut and dry. Yeah, you got it. That's the hundred percent. Uh huh. I know it's like life is kind of like this, but that really is like when I started to train for rim to rim to rim. I think that's a bookend of like I want to do this. I enjoy it. Like I'm gonna see where it takes me. Um, and so that's really where that started. And then I did a when the like the OCR I would say that started would be I did a stadium race in LA yeah in like 2021 or something Hunter and I went down there he's like just jump into it and I was like okay so I like never have done an obstacle before and I get to these obstacles and I don't even know what you're supposed to do and so I'd like ask the judge like hey how do I do this one or like what can I not touch um did no research just kind of Hunter would have coached you a little better apparently kept that to himself right <laughs> no that's not you know he throws people at the things so i did that one and that was way too fast for me that's a that's a sprint um wait so you have quite literally been in the sport of hybrid racing or ocr for one year yeah you started in 2021 it is currently december 2022 mm-hmm. that's foolish what i'm trying to wrap my head around is what is the what was the date of rim to rim to rim? When did you do that? Exactly. That's a good question. Twenty I'd have I'd have to look at I can tell you in like two seconds. Hold on. Okay. That you got was, two seconds. That, <laughs> that was probably twenty eighteen. Yeah. Twenty eighteen. It's depressing for a lot of people right now to hear that. That's what I'm thinking. Cause you were what, twenty twenty in three years you went from your first sort of like identifiable endurance venture. And in three years, you become a, a world champion at WTM three years later. I guess so. Yeah. When you put it like right. that, I didn't Less like three, probably. a lot more time has passed than that. Like I did my first Spartan ultra was Tahoe, which is, was North American championships in last, was that last year? Yeah. Must yeah. No. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. Cause I went straight from that. Spartan Ultra and then WTM. Yep. Just making sure we're clear. <laughs> you got it. Listen, I've never yeah. made it out like that, so I'm glad you have. <laughs> so how many ultras did you run then from rim to rim to rim to your first 24-hour world championship? How many? Because you only did three Spartan races, I think. Yep. So how many running races and ultras did you do along the way to help build up this? I did. Let's see. I did. So I did rim to rim to rim. I did Bryce Canyon 50-miler. I did a couple of 30 mile, just trail ones. And then I did, uh, Matt B. Davis's ultra virus one, right. When COVID hit in 2020. And I think that's it <laughs> Yeah, So four or five. <laughs> so you jumped right into the deep end, but you've only oh, yeah. been in the deep end for seven races, eight races. Uh huh. That's how I like to do things. You just, you just do them. <laughs> send it. That's like truly my vibe. It's just like full send. Wow. I I have a, a side question with this. So you, you mentioned that um, you did the stadium race and it was, it was fast. It was too fast, it was you, fast, so to speak. Well, right. And you find this interesting bracket. I don't know if you've, if you've noticed this, but a lot of times, like some of these really great power athletes, and I would label you as one from what I know, obviously you're very functionally fit. Yeah. Um, it's like the gray zone of like that five, that, that like 5k, 10k, like under an hour. Sometimes you sh- like aren't naturally as 
drawn to is like like you can go grind forever but your 5k time might not compare to all the girls that you just crushed out there at wtm for example like it's very rare to find like a a power athlete who's actually good at that middle area like the mile to 10k let's just say do you find that to be true for yourself like you got to go long to separate yourself definitively absolutely and I've, i've been saying that like as i've gotten more experience and like tried shorter distances or like anything under an hour. And that's just like, not my vibe. I like to be able to, I need more time, right. To like separate myself and get ahead and stay ahead. Uh, that's where I truly, I think like thrive anything less than that. Like the stadium race wasn't terrible. I think it came in, I don't even know fifth, but it was just for me, very difficult. Like any, like, which is interesting. Cause like in CrossFit, like doing, doing high intensity workouts or even at go ruck games when there was very high intensity workouts um and you're redlining the whole time like that should be something that like i'm very very good at and i can survive it's just it's probably way it's what's way more mentally challenging for me um to just be at and that's why i have been training my heart rate more to be able to stay at that high high heart rate for you know eight to 12 minutes and feel good because I can do it, but I feel awful. <laughs> it's a hard question to answer, but are you a good CrossFitter or were you? I would say yes. I have the, like the skills I can throw around the weight. Um, not to the extent of like CrossFit games or regionals or something like that to be able to do that. My Olympic list, my snatch would have to go way up. Um, and right now it's just like functional, um, I can compete in competitions if I needed to. Um, I almost did one before I lost both my big toenails, um, with a bunch of girls in Colorado. That's, that was pretty big, but, um, yeah. And then there's also, you have a lot of components. So you have gymnastics. So my gymnastics skills are just not something I've practiced cause I've never really like went full force into CrossFit. Um, so those two things would have to really improve for me to be super competitive. So how is your CrossFit Metcon game, like the CrossFit endurance style? Those, yeah. are you talking those six? Right. I love those, yeah. Are you good at those? Mm-hmm. So okay. I can grind away at those. That's usually why people want me, like if there's like a CrossFit conference teams, like that's usually why they want me. Not because I can lift like a ridiculous amount of weight because there's some strong girls, very strong. So, um, so where's your disconnect? If you have the engine for 24 hours and you have the get up and go in the engine for 12 minutes of station work, where's the disconnect for a 12 to 20 minute hybrid event? Um, usually it's just like, for me, I think it's just like experience and working on that kind of realm. Like it's something I don't usually do. Like, you know, with CrossFit, you're like, that's like heavier, high intensity weight that, you know, you're thrown around and then endurance, when I go out for like, you know, my endurance runs, things like that, that's, they're just two separate. So like probably just time and working on that. So like so working, could. Like, yeah. Like if I really dedicated my time to like uh, high rocks or something like that, it would be something that I would need to work on and improve. But when my heart's not in something and I just don't want a full set, I'm like, nah, I don't want to. So okay. but like, Things like, like I'm right now, like, even though it's not until April, I'll be prepping for go rough games to get better at that so that I can not just survive. I can actually just like, you know, smash everybody. That's the goal. That's the goal anyways. (laughs) 
all in or all out. That's yeah. that's okay. Yeah. But I guess my question with that then would be like, when you stumbled upon this ultra scene and then realized you loved it and it was fun and you were good at it, um, like all in, can you can one be all in on all things? Like obviously your functional fitness and ultras, like has. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you manage that, I guess, is is what I'm really wondering. It's it's definitely a fine line, um, and it changes throughout the season. So, like, the beginning of this year and then after WTM, it's been strength building. So it's going to be way more functional fitness, like regaining muscle mass, strength. Um, I left WTM weighing the least I've ever weighed in a long time. Um, so just kind of, like, getting back to it. And then as we get into, like, the middle of the year into the fall, it'll be more um, of endurance training and I'll spend less time in the gym. So you kind of have to build a strong base, at least for me, and then then build that, keep building, and then hit the endurance running. Do you have what you would consider your most typical block where you're you're keeping in touch with both? Because we've recently done a couple episodes. One was strength training for runners. All mm-hmm. the different ways you can possibly get it done to get the benefits. And then the other was atypical running training programs where yeah. some people run 15 times a week, some run three times a week, but it's how you fill out the volume. Yeah. You obviously do things differently throughout the year, but always differently from what most traditional endurance athletes would be. So do you have a most typical block that you would follow to hit both or do you really move from emphasis to emphasis i would say usually more emphasis to emphasis but a typical block like if i'm in like the heat of things with i need both endurance and strength as i'm spending monday wednesday friday um big strength sec- session um and then hitting like some kind of run or bike in the afternoons and then tuesday thursdays very endurance heavy where I'm doing a two a day, whether it's bike and bike or run and bike. And then Saturday is usually my long endurance day. Sunday's rest. I would say that is a typical week in like the heat of things. What does big strength day look like for you? Big strength day. Um, that's where I'm hitting like, so say I'm on like a 10 by 10 cycle or, you know, German volume training, I mean, or it's like doing Wendler's three or five, three, one, something like that. So I have a big compound left in the beginning and then I'll have accessory movements um, and then some kind of Metcon um, where I'm spending, you know, if, if sometimes I jump into competitor class at my CrossFit gym, which I love. Um, so I'll do my own lifting and then I'll jump into the Metcons just to like spice things up because they're really, they're like, they're regional athletes. Um, so keeping up with them is really, really nice. It's, it's, it pushes me. And so that'll probably be like a two hour session in the gym. So you're using circuit work or Metcon as a finisher to your major lift yep. work. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I like that too. So, so breaking it down, you're in the gym under load three times a week for sure. And then you're probably hitting some sort of aerobic conditioning every day other than Sunday. So you're hitting like six days of aerobic conditioning, double days, almost every, God, every day, basically uh-huh. at this point. Yep. Is, is that, um, is that something you were doing even while the court doing the corporate, uh, thing, or has that been a newer? Yeah. So you were grinding either way. I've been, I've been doing two days like that since like 2020. They're so powerful. They are not that we need to like get way into the, the 
details with it, but like, what would a day, so what would that day look like when you're working corporate, like on a Monday? Like how would that day break down? Like what time would you get up all that? Because people need to learn. Some people need to learn what hard work is and discipline and some don't. And I'm sure there's some listening who need to learn. So I think yeah. you could just set an example for them. So what, what does that look like on a, on a work day? Yeah. On a work day. Um, the good thing about having a corporate job in like fitness is that I would, I would be able to work out at work so there I could take an hour, no. like my lunch hour, right. My break. And I would hit a strength session. Uh, but I will always, I always got in my endurance work before I got to work. Um, whether that was, you know, some days that would like on Wednesdays, I made that my big endurance days. And so I'd get like a three, three hour run in the mountains. And then I would go to work, do my job, and then usually hit a strength session wherever I could throughout the day. This is why <laughs> rules don't matter to everyone in every circumstance, because every not every, most power-based coaches would mm -hmm. say, and we've even had people on here saying, why would you even bother lifting after cardio? Or why would you why would you ever do anything in the morning other than lift when your hormones are at the highest? And, and that that's right. Right up until it's not. Yep. <laughs> I just basically did what I could with the time I had to do it. Mm -hmm. So if that meant that I could like, because by the time I get out of work, it would be dark and I can't go for a three-hour run in the yeah. mountains. When it's dark. So ideally you don't, right? But when, you know, push comes to shove, you kind of have to. Yeah, you take what you can get. Yeah, there's plenty of people out there who have to do the same thing um, and then do it every single day. And yeah, rules. Yeah, that's a good point. Rules don't apply sometimes. How long did it take you? Because this is a real struggle for, for a lot of runners yeah. who are already doing their thing. And adding in strength work on top is really hard for them to handle. Mm -hmm. So how... And I say I wouldn't be able to do what you're doing right now in terms of do a three-hour long run and then a strength session later in the day unless it was all from the waist up. So how long did that take to build into, to be able to handle? Did you ever do compound lifts after a three-hour run? Not directly after. So probably give myself like... Same day though? Five, same day, yeah. Okay. See, I still couldn't do that. Well, like I said, you kind of... It you have the time you have to do it. And sometimes it would be that I would be able to, um, because, well, because I worked from, you know, noon to seven or whatever, that's the, the options I had, but usually I would do the opposite, right? So it would be my strength work in the morning, um, and then endurance in the afternoon. But how long did that take? I mean, it's what I've kind of always known, um, ever since I started training like this. And so I think my body just adapted over time. Um, they're definitely, you know, at the end of a training block where I feel pretty dang run down. Um, I'll take like a solid week and not do anything but hike. And after big, you know, endurance events. So like last year at Spartan and worlds and, uh, world's toughest this year, lots of hiking, um, eventually jumping on the bike. And now, you know, I took quite a few weeks and back into strength. Cause it, it, it just like havoc on your adrenal system. Um, and I felt that last year a lot more just cause I did two 24 hour ones back to back. But, um, I was always like, nah, I'll be fine. Like it's no big deal, but learn the hard way. That's not true. <laughs> and the more time you take to recover, you know, you're like, if you don't, you're just prolonging that struggle and it's eventually just going to break. Um, you know, people say you only have so many, matches in your box for like ultras or 24 hour races like that. And I think that's true. 
Yeah. If you don't take that recovery right away, you just prolong your ability to build again for something else and you, you never end up getting anywhere. It's just wheels spinning. Sounds like you believe, like I, we don't hear many uh, athletes anymore say like, oh, we take Sunday off, like Sunday's off. Like a lot of them are like, no day. I'm a big believer. Like take that day off. Like, what are you trying to prove? Like that rest is going to do you more good than getting out there and hammering something else. Cause it's only going to take away from your workouts next week. And it's a snowball effect. Is that, is that part of it for you? Like the day off always been the deal. Cause you're, I mean, you're six days of high volume, really. When you look at yeah. it, like you're, you put a lot of time in. So has that just always been your routine? Um, no, I would say initially um, rest day was like the hardest day to just not do anything, um, to eat a lot of food, stretch, to drink water, like more, like, you know, to recover. Um, that was really hard initially. And now like, I look forward to that day so much and it doesn't have to be Sunday. Some people like some of my clients, it's, you know, Friday or Wednesday, whatever it works in your week. But I do think one rest day, I'm sure you guys take a rest day, one or two. Um, it's just very beneficial. And I think more people need to realize that. I, that's surprising that you haven't heard that. Like people don't like rest days. What? <laughs> well, we don't dive into it like that specific conversation, okay. but a lot of our, you know, when they lay out their week, it's, you know, they're, there's no time, even if it's not formal training, their hobby then is to go, you know, downhill ski or cross country ski yeah. for six hours on a Sunday. Be like, well, that's not, not rest day. There's a fine line between active recovery and actual recovery. And you might be crossing it, right? That's more like that sort of thing. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. You kind of exemplify something that, that I've noticed in this space because we come from, I mean, I, we grew up doing every sport as well, but by the time we got to college running was what we did. And in the running world, if you grow up running, you know the rules of running and how to train for it. Not everyone really understands them. Not everyone knows the best version of it, but you understand the rules of how to be good at running. But the people, and this is where hybrid racing and OCR has been so mind-blowing to me. The people who find it late don't know all the things we knew, yeah. but they're not beholden to those things either. And I first saw it actually with Hunter. Mm-hmm. He didn't follow the rules of how to be better at running. Yep. And it was almost like because he didn't, they didn't apply to him. Whereas if I stopped following the rules, I feel like it wouldn't work for me. And you seem to be the same way where, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but you seem to prioritize getting your volume in, in whatever form is available to you that day, rather than I must run X, Yeah. whether that's times per week or, or miles per week or hours per week. You said earlier, I'll, I'll hike, and if running's available, I'll run or I'll bike. But that's not the mindset of runners. It's we run, we run, we run, and we cut out what's not running in order to buoy our running. And you don't follow those rules, and it seems to work for you. Yeah, I don't follow a lot of rules, if you haven't noticed. But uh, <laughs> I would definitely say that's true. And then since I've been in Boulder and then more in the running like community and world, I've been around like top-notch runners, right? And that's exactly what they do. They, it's to a T. They follow this. This is what they do. And I think sometimes that is, it's an, it creates a negative impact on them because if they don't, it's kind of like a mental, like, oh, you know, shit, I didn't get that in. I didn't get that tempo running. I didn't do that. Um, and so I think that can not be as beneficial where for me, it's like, you know, if I don't get that in, I'm going to go and mountain bike and I'm going to, you know, be happy and I'm going to eventually get that tempo run in. Um, but if I can't, that's okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I would definitely say 
that's two different worlds for sure. Not that one's right and one's wrong. It's just kind of, I think what works for you as a, like an athlete, as a runner. Well, and they both have drawbacks mm -hmm. for sure. I've seen the side of the runner. The drawback is that you start leaving everything else out and you become yeah. very one dimensional. You might yep. become an exceptional runner, but you break if you try something else. Mm -hmm. What is the drawback to you? Is that maybe to your style? Is that maybe never having the mile or 5k time, but it doesn't matter because you can go for 24, like along the spectrum of running, yeah. where would the drawback be if there is one to not prioritizing hitting running metrics weekly? I would definitely say that like my 5k, 10k time, like that's not a huge priority to me. Um, I do know like as time, I mean, not that much time has gone by, but in my speed work, like I need, I need more of that. So like I have been making more of an effort to get in like quality work mm -hmm. um, instead of just quantity. Um, Cause when I first started training running, it was just me training myself. Like I, I didn't know almost anything besides what I read, what I knew. Um, and so it was just a lot of quantity, like how many miles, how many hours on my feet. Like that was the main goal preparing for ultras. And now it's like, I really need that quality, um, you know? And so that's, that's a goal. Um, and it has been for the last, you know, six plus months when I'm like, okay, I really need to focus on that. <laughs> if I want to do fast events. Well, at least you're building some speed on, on a foundation, Yeah. which, you know, putting in time. So the, you're doing it in the right order. Right. I would say that's the, the correct order, at least. I don't want to come off as saying it's negative. It's just, it's so oh, yeah. different, but I see it's so clearly successful for people that then you start to question, all right, is the rule, are the rules of what I've always known to be, are they a lot more flexible than we've been led to believe? Well, I think it just depends on what your goals are. Like if your goal is to be one of the fastest marathon runners, probably like you want to stick to more so your path and your, your route. But for me, when it comes to like hybrid racing or like ultras, like it has been working for me. And then there's always things that I can like add on and improve to. Um, so like getting faster. So say like they have another type of like 12 mile or less ruck at like go ruck games or something. I need to have that speed, that speed work in um, because I don't get that time uh, to kind of like prove myself or, or, you know, endure 12 mile ruck is considered speed to you well it's yeah it is for me a half <laughs> like that, that, i gotta be way faster at that um because i'm like like i said 12 plus like that's actually 30 plus miles like i start to feel good and i love it and i feel like i'm like you know in the groove anything less than that is hard like i went and did a trail marathon and that felt that felt fast <laughs> Cause they're running. I mean, that can be. Yeah. So I was like, wow. <laughs> and it was supposed to be just a training run. But of course, when I got there, I was like, I must, I must do well. I must get top 10 or top five. <laughs> so, so have you been like, when you entered the CrossFit realm, I'm on, I want to know how long you've been competing. Like how long now, like, instead of like, just, just in quotes, like being fit and I, working out makes me feel good and look good and all those things. Like when you like turn the corner and been like, I'm training for, performance like when did that shift happen and i'm getting to a follow-up question to this but like and that like what were you what were you training for like what were the first things you were training for to compete for like an output or a metric like what what would that have been yeah so that was for that was probably like 
in 26, 17. Um, and that was training for CrossFit comp. So like, uh, there's one okay. called Granite Games, like some of the bigger ones training for the open, do well in the open. Um, Aren't the Granite Games up here in yeah. my neck of the woods? Yep. Yeah. They're in Minnesota. Um, so like that was eventually the goal um, to get there. So that's when I would, I would say the switch happened to be like, okay, I want to be competitive. Um, and then competitive in the OCR world was that Tahoe race to qualify for Spartan Worlds. Okay, so you've been training for performance now for a while. Yeah, a decent amount. I mean, yeah. years, five, six, seven years. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense to me. So, like, my, you know, you said, like, you're all in. Like, you're, you're all in. You're going big or you're really not dealing with it. Yeah. But now, like, you're, you're, like, too good at more than one thing. So, mm-hmm. like, can you be all in on both sides of the coin? Or do you look at them as, like, synonymous with each other? Like, no, my, my crossfitting and my hybrid can translate to my ultras like what are you what are you all in on i think is what i'm getting i'm like like what is the what is the competition focus for you when like you could go a couple of ways right is it everything or is it not um i i like to think that like my strength training prepares me for ultras and that mindset and then like vice versa so training for ultras helps me with my strength work as as well so i like combining everything um, and seeing where that takes me. I think you can be all in on both, but like I said, it's a fine line. So it depends on the type of season where you are in the year, um, and going from there. But I think, I think, I mean, I like to be all in on everything. <laughs> Full said. And you don't feel like, like for me, if I were going Hunter's back, <laughs> Doug's back. Yes. Um, he got a sandwich. Uh, if, uh, like for me, if I were to be like, okay, I'm going to go out and for example, and not this conversation is not about weight at all, but like I've been lifting a little less and running a little more and I'm down like four pounds and my running is going like as well as it ever has. And it's like four dumb pounds. Like I'm putting a little bit more focus on run and a little bit less focus on lifting. And now I can't help but think like, okay, if I go back to the gym and I start doing my Olympic lifts and squatting heavy and all that, and I put on a little more muscle, it's going to negatively impact the other, right? And vice versa. The more I run, I'm as weak as I've been in the gym in years. So like, it's like a give and take. It's the main thing I wanted to get at with you today was like, how I look at it is like, do I want it all? Absolutely. I want to be huge, jacked, and a sub 15 minute five care. I want to be everything. But I realize at least my body doesn't work that way. I don't think I'd be going out and winning WTM if I was Olympic lifting three times a week under heavy load. I just think that my my body would be functioning submaximally for an endurance event. So the real itch I wanted to scratch with you is like, how do you how do you do it? How do you juggle it? How do you justify one for the other? How do you like manage it all in your brain and in your body? I know it's a big question, but like for yeah. me, that's what I would have to figure out. Like. How, how do you do it all? All of our listeners want to do it all. All of our hybrid athletes want to do it all. And you're one of the few who like are on both ends of the range. And so like, yeah. just like dissecting that little thing is super interesting to me. So like, I'll let you just go, but like, yeah. what are your first thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, that is a, it's a great question. And like I said, like it is a fine line and I think it, it involves building up that base and building up that strength. So like when I go into WTM, I'm not lifting the most I've ever lifted. I'm not in the gym as much as I've ever been. Um, and that's a, tra- you kind of have to have a trade-off, but as long as you have that foundation and you're building up that base, um, like you're, you're able to kind of like navigate 
going into more endurance, right? So like build up the strength and then hit the endurance. So you, it, it's a balance. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. It is hard. You, you kind of have to build up your body to do both um, and not be afraid to, you know, not be able to lift as much as you could in the beginning of the year, but you can run more, run faster. What I, what I look at, maybe what I'm like understanding and how I would look at it, and I know how Hunter looks at it because he really periodizes, at least in the past, his year as a whole. Like I'm going to stop running and do strength so I can build up that because I know it's slowly going to get worse throughout the season. But as it slowly gets worse, I'm still going to be really strong for what I'm doing and I'm going to have plenty of what I need when the time comes, even if yep. it's less than I had six months ago. Yep. And so it's more like, building up reserves that you can draw from when you're pursuing like the other end of your spectrum. And then right about when those reserves are about as low as you'd like to see them, you go back and build them back up and reshift your focus. Like, is that the song and dance you have to play? Is like that how I'm yep. understanding it? Yeah. It's like you just put in different blocks and you keep building those blocks up. And so like, I think every time that I've gone through a string cycle, I've gotten stronger just because I built up that base from the previous year, even though I went back to endurance, like it's still there. We're just going to have to work on it. It takes a couple of weeks. You get back to where you need to be. Um, yeah. And I would say like when I am in like top strength form, it, it I'm not as fast or I can't run as far. Um, so that kind of negatively impacts the endurance world. But like when I am like running the most I've ever ran and putting in quality work, that helps my gym performance a lot. It helps my conditioning. I think if you can be like in great running shape, those are the people that are going to come out on top. Um, if you have that strength base. So like, I'll, I'll also like, I'll put in strength now, but then I'll also really put in a lot of like endurance work before go ruck games, because those are going to be the top athletes there. Um, if they have a strong base, if they can throw around weight, otherwise they just won't come out on top. And you, I don't know if you saw that at Battle Bunker, you know, there's the very fast girls who they, you know, did great in the first, the, the ruck, the row and the run, and then they couldn't lift a 70 pound sandbag. So you really do have to put in that solid strength base to be able to perform how you want in a hybrid event. It always seems like as long as you meet the strength minimums, the runner wins out. Yes. Until that runner can't meet the strength requirements and then they can't finish. Mm. Yeah. Whereas a strength athlete can still finish. That's a great point. You could dissect all those athletes in that, that uh, food bar event, the sandbag run, and you could, that would be the bottom line for everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. You could see that, that play out for the men and the women. It was cool to see. I liked it. Um, I don't want to like put words in your mouth, but I'm just like trying to like make sense of how you look at this and how this like flow would go throughout the year because yours is, yeah. you got like a lot of challenging things uh, with like logistically, like how to perform well at all these things. So like what I'm understanding is, is like if you look at the year as a whole and you have a strength focus at one point and then you have an endurance focus at the other and you go back and forth between the two, maybe a couple times, I don't know. Let's say you lay off the strength for a little bit. When you pick it back up full swing, like now I'm going back to strength focus, most times you are starting back up below where you left off, but not only do you work yourself back up to where you left off, but you end up surpassing where you'd left off in your next build. Yes. And the same goes for running. So you start back up in the run focus and your run metrics have taken a hit from your top end before, but yep. by the time you're done with that focus, you've reached new metrics. So when Hopefully. you look at the year, you're still 
Yeah, right. Hopefully. So you're still improving though. Like on this cycle, you're not like completely not running during a strength focus and you're not, not doing strength during a run focus. So if you don't completely let go, okay. So you're not completely letting go of anything and sure you take a temporary hit, but overall this still is trending you the right overall direction on both fronts. Right. Exactly. This style. So the end, yeah. So the end of the year into the, like the new year, it will be all strength focused, but I'll always still put in some type of endurance work. So then when I pick that back up full swing, come, you know, middle of the summer into the fall, when I have a lot of it, like endurance, ultra races, things like that, it's not completely gone. Um, And then during that time period, I'll be doing strength, but it'll be more like accessory work. It won't be like, you know, a big lifting cycle. Um, but it will be still something able to keep the strength I need to perform how I want. Okay. Yeah. What's the least amount outside of recovery blocks? Mm-hmm. So not com- not talking coming off an ultra or coming off of something like battle bunk or something like that. In if, if those are like the final 10% of your spectrum, if you look at the middle 80%, what's the least amount you would ever run or the least amount you'd ever lift during a week? So I would say if like I'm more focused on endurance work, like I said, middle end of the year, I would probably be only in the gym like twice a week um, and not lifting nearly as heavy. And Mm -hmm. then for running, um, how how many miles or how much time? Doesn't matter. Frequency or duration. Frequency and duration. But like right now, it's probably – I always – for me, it's like a happy thing that I do. So I still always keep probably at least 20 plus miles a week, which is not that much for like an endurance athlete. But when I'm putting in that much volume for strength, uh, it's, you know, where I like to keep it at. And that's just fun. That's something Doug and I just go to. It will be more just like quantity, not quality um, during strength blocks. There won't be a lot of emphasis on like speed work and things like that. Um, a lot of biking, a lot of biking, a lot of mountain biking, um, during strength blocks as well. So if you took your two lowest Mm -hmm. denominators there Mm -hmm. and it would be and combine it into your worst possible training week, if you happen to do them both, it would still be two strength workouts per week, 20 to 30 miles of running plus Mm -hmm. hiking and cycling. Yeah. So at at no point are you really leaving any out, you're just tipping the water back and forth. Yeah. Think of it like a scale. Yeah. So there's it's always, both are always there, but just which one is taking over more. Okay. So yeah. your theoretical worst week is still a real week of training for most people. Probably. Yeah. Okay. I think that's important to realize. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is a very important thing. And it's, again, it's like, where, what are your goals? Like, do you need to do that? Or do you want to be just like functionally fit? Do you want to just look good? feel good. Like, what do you want? Um, so for me, in order to perform how I need to, that has to be, has to be the case, which is a lot. And it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. But I do want to hear the other end. What's the biggest you get up to? The biggest? Yeah. Both running frequency and volume, and then also total hours of training per week. Yeah. So I'd have to look at like my Strava and, and metrics. Um, Cause that's a great question. So I'm just going to like ballpark it. So when I'm in like in the gym, like strength heavy, that's like a couple hours every other day. And then almost every day. 
So that's, you know, two, four, six, eight, that's 10 plus hours of strength training a week at least. And then when you're talking about like endurance work, um, there are weeks where I hit, you know, 60 plus miles this last fall um, or like, you know, even more. So like when I did like a bunch of like ultra races too, that's just adding mileage and things like that. And I'm also, I'm also biking, you know, two to three hours every other day, um, Tuesday, Thursdays, things like that. So it's, it's a lot of time. Um, so 60 miles of running plus another eight hours of biking plus probably. Yeah. Somewhere around okay. there. Plus 10 hours uh, of strength. <laughs> not, not at the same time though. So like when I'm like the question, like if I'm strength heavy, that's how much time and endurance that not together, that would be insane. Right. I don't think I would sleep. <laughs> but So then final piece before <laughs> Kirk, you run with it. Yeah. If you're strength heavy and you're doing your 10 hours mm-hmm. of, of strength and maybe 20 to 30 miles of running, how much other cardio are you stacking with, with hiking or cycling? Um, so during those kind of like training blocks, uh, hiking, usually like active recovery type thing, like hiking out with Doug or something like that walks in the morning. Um, other cardio would be like Metcons and wads, which are very cardio intensive in the gym. So that's like in combination with like lifts and those 10 hours, but is there biking during that time? Yeah. So I'll bike usually, um, when I'm doing a ton of strength work, like Tuesday, Thursdays or, or yeah, Tuesday, Thursdays in the afternoon for roughly how long I'm trying to build out of hours here. Yeah. How long? Um, probably like if, if I'm on the mountain bike, uh, an hour to 90 minutes or, or less, depending on the trail I'm doing or road bike, gravel bike, that's probably like two hours. Okay. So you're looking at a minimum of 15 hours a week in any one given block. Hopefully. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the goal. Um, life gets in the way, but mm-hmm. yeah, the goal. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Good for people to hear. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the time commitment, whether your focus is on one end of the spectrum or the other, like there's still some sacrifice being made to carve out the time for sure. Yep. Um, yep. I was just I was just going to say that I think people like you have it figured out more than people like me. And I'm going to say it or or a lot of our listeners yeah. in the sense that I'm learning this. I'm almost four. I'm 39. So I'm getting super okay. old and smart now. So maybe I'm yeah, turning wise. it's turning a corner here. Yeah. Wise. Yep. But like the seasons of life thing, like so many runners are just like single track focus. And what you do is you end up just running into the same ceiling and the same dead end over and over and over and over to the point of boredom to the point of like not being able to progress in any way because you're only achieving the same stimulus and goals. And whereas like somebody like you who is having to like periodize in a yearly scale um, with different shifts and focuses, like I feel like you just get to jump your next like little ceiling and then jump your next little ceiling and you get to go back and forth with like a freshness every time, maybe, maybe I'm oversimplifying this. And I finally realized this, like, for example, this fall, I spent all of my emotional and physical energy. Like I was running and training, but every weekend I was out in the middle of the woods, bow hunting and camping. And I just like, didn't care about my run and now running stuff. And now like I'm back and I'm invigorated again to go tackle something different. Right. And before it's just like, like most of our listeners are doing the same old shit over and over and over and I just feel like people like you, we had Chris Roglowski on last week. Um, she would be another example. Like 
Well, you, you're never going to hit ceilings or be bored if you're constantly shuffling the deck. And mm -hmm. so I just think like, I don't know, I think there's something to there in the longevity piece. Like you're stoked on com competing and training and life seems high. This seems very genuine and authentic to me. And same with Chris, for example. And I know you two are now rivals and fierce oh, yeah. enemies, but <laughs> I think the P and Hunt and Hunter's the same way with his vivacious personality and his big wackiness, but he's, he's also chasing different things all the time. And I think there's like something to like the people who are living their truth like that are the ones who are like doing things like you are like, you want to go talk to like a road 5k or like, who's been doing it for 20 years. That's going to be a boring conversation. Boring. They seem miserable. But not with people like you. Do, you. do you understand what I'm getting at though? Am I making any sense? No, I, I 100% agree. Like when I'm like at the end of like a strength block, I'm like, Oh, I want nothing more than just to like spend hours and hours running and biking. And then once I'm like to the end of that, I'm like, man, I miss the gym. Like, I want to get back in there. Like, I hate that. I'm not like, I don't feel strong or muscular or anything like that. So like having that shift in different waves, um, cycles of life, however you want to put it, I think that's very beneficial. And you kind of like get re-excited about things or like you find a new race. Like I went and did swim run world championships. I haven't swam since high school. Um, so training for swimming again, like that was fun until it wasn't. And then you kind of shift into the next thing. So yeah, I think it's very important. Every year I have athletes, the same conversation happens, which is how long are we going to stay in base phase <laughs> or how long are we going to keep this power phase going? And when I first started coaching, I was often like, well, until we start to stagnate, until we stop seeing our metrics go up. And that's a good answer. Mm -hmm. But over time, it's evolved into we're, we can ride this base phase out until you crave something. Mm -hmm. And when you've craved it a couple days in a row, then we're going to start adding it in. And then you do that until you crave something. And it's a little bit more of that feel your flow of life rather than we live by our metrics. Yeah. And both are right. But one of them, I think, can sustain you for 60 years. And yeah. one of them can sustain you until you're just done with burning the candle. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I think that like craving something is very important. So I didn't. I don't, and I, I didn't this year run after WTM until I craved to run until I was like, I want to go for a run. And until then I didn't do it. Um, mm -hmm. and I, that's just kind of healthy, uh, and a healthy mentality for your body too. Cause if you don't want to do something, there's a reason, unless you're just being a wimp, like it, it's really true. Like when you're, when your brain doesn't want to go do something, there's a reason. And like, I wasn't ready to run until, you know, three weeks down the line and that's okay. Is that what it took? Three weeks? About three weeks? I think so. I think later. I went for like my first, I actually, I did the turkey trot with a bunch of my little nephews and that was like at like 12, 13 minute mile paces. Cause they're like four and five. And like that felt like, I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it was three miles. So, um, yeah, but I think, yeah, it took, it took two weeks, three weeks to actually go for a run. I often try to make people follow the three day rule. Oh, you have to crave something or want it or feel like you're ready three days in a row. I like that. coming off injury or coming off burnout. Hey, yeah. I feel like I could run today. Great. Put it aside. See if you still feel that way tomorrow. Yeah. And if you get three in a row, you're probably ready. I like that. That's, that's a good thing to, to think about. I'll have to do that next time. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it protects us from ourselves. If you're the person who jumps back in too soon, that's when it matters. If you're a yeah. person who's really tuned into your body, you probably yeah. just know. It's taken time to get there, um, but it's it's gotten better. Where I didn't. I don't want to like initially jump right back into something mm -hmm. because I know it's not good 
good for me, even if I want to. So yeah, the three day rule, I like that. Well, I am currently fascinated by how athletes stay healthy because I have been unable to do so. After calling myself an incredibly durable athlete for 27 years, 28, 29 years, suddenly I'm in a three-year stretch of just stupidity. So Mm -hmm. I look at someone like you who's doing a lot Mm -hmm. and you seem to always be available. So what, what have you run into since starting this journey that's held you out? Or if you haven't run into big things, how are you avoiding it other than by being genetically superior in some ways. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, I've never broken a bone, which is still crazy to me. Like me and all five of my siblings never broke a bone. So maybe we are the superior human beings. But mm. no, I would say like, I, I don't think I've ever ran in CrossFit when I was like super, like I, I kind of, my lat got locked out for a while, which was rough. But since then I haven't had any injuries. Um, and I think that's also just kind of knowing your body, not saying that you don't, but when I feel like my legs or my feet, it's usually my feet, um, feel too beat up, I'll go bike for a while. Even if I need to like hit that run or whatever, I know it's better for me to feel healthy than to like get that, you know, training workout in. So if I need to go on the bike for a week, then I'll do that. Um, and it's like, you know, my shoulders are all feeling all jacked up from lifting too much, then I won't. Um, and it's taken time to be like, it's okay. You don't have to like, you're it's all going to be okay. But, uh, I think that's important to kind of stay injury free. I don't know what, what injuries do you deal with? Are they like chronic? Are they? Uh, no, just nonsense. <laughs> it's like three, four surgeries deep. Just ridiculous. Oh no. Your, your, your comment though, you, maybe you do know your body. I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's really accurate because I really knew my body as a healthy body. Mm. I did not know myself intimately as a rehabbing athlete. And that's where I ran into trouble. I would rehab so specifically on one thing. I'd let other things slide. And then when I moved back into training, letting that injured area, tell me I was ready to progress. I didn't know signs of other areas. And then it led to something else. And that's, Mm -hmm. so I didn't know myself, even though I really knew myself, I knew myself for 30 years as an athlete and didn't know that other side. So I guess, yeah, staying healthy is one of the keys, but do you think your strength, and I'm not trying to lead you into it, is strength work for you part of your reason that you're, you're able to handle things? I was just going to say that I would, I would, I would definitely say that my like strength foundation lays the way for like staying more injury free. Uh, Not that something happen but like and like knock on wood obviously but I don't feel like my like ACLs are going to tear and things like that I feel like I've put in enough strength work and foundation that it's going to keep me healthy um and I think a lot of runners out there and a lot of clients I've had they're afraid to get bulky they're afraid to get you know gain muscle mass but I think in the like long run it's going to help them and they're never going to be people are always afraid of looking like CrossFit girls or CrossFit guys. I'm like, I don't think you guys realize the amount of food and weight you have to lift for years to look like them. Like you will never, I promise you lifting a barbell is not going to make you look like them. If it was easy, everyone would look like that. Oh yeah. It's insane. Like I, I can't imagine the time it would take and the amount of calories and protein I'd have to eat to look like them. But like it what it will do is it will help them and help their bodies when they're, you know, running in ultras and, and doing high intensity or, 
or endurance work. I think that strength is always a good thing to have. That's my favorite conversation to have with my clients is the, uh, the bulky, I don't want to look like a man conversation with all my female clients in the gym. I'm like, where do I even start with this conversation? I don't want to get too big. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, good luck. I'm with like, that. you <laughs> couldn't even, if you dedicated your life to it at this point, like you don't anyways, that is my favorite conversation. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I've heard, I've heard it for years. It's yeah. crazy to me. I have to reassure them. No, it's okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I get told all the time, I'm, I'm too bulky for an ultra runner. Like I've been told so many times at start lines or like in conversation with people, like you're not an ultra runner. You don't run ultras. You don't look like an ultra runner. I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> We'll see you at the finish line, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I always I always wonder about that because, A, that's not welcoming at all. No. But, B, at the end of this, whatever we're doing, we're left with what we have in front of us. Right. And most of us aren't pro athletes, and most of us won't make our millions off of running or sport. So at the end of this pursuit of whatever this is, you're left with the body that you created. And you're either going to be left broken and fragile and pretty emaciated or you're going to be left with a body you're really proud of huh. and not that we have to be physically perfect to be happy but right. if we're not going to make it to the olympics anyway we might as well have the body we want while we can control having it exactly that's a good point because what's the difference at your local 30 miler if you right. add or subtract eight minutes it's not gonna like get you the spouse you're looking for you sure people are out there just like asking what their time is? Yeah, you look okay, but what's your PR? Yeah. It's not going to get you a promotion at work. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's definitely like what you what you feel, how you feel in your body, what you look like. That's that's important. Yeah. Looking good matters, whatever. We yeah. all, know it. all right. And it's a nice side benefit of what we do as athletes and what we train for. We oh, got yeah. lucky with what we chose mm -hmm. or what chose us because the mm -hmm. benefits uh, and how you're looking is, is nice. So I want to be respectful of your time and mine because I got a jet here shortly. Um, we have a winter snowstorm here oh. uh, right now, and I have clients in just over an hour, and I, just, I don't know what traffic's going to be like. But um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh huh. I'll probably drive as long as I'll be training, like when it's all said and done, but you know how that goes. So, um, so you, you know, you're all in on things. You say like, frick it. I'm a, if I'm in, I'm all in. So what is Katie Knight all in on right now? And what did you just say? Frick it. No. Did I say frick it? Like, oh, did I say frick, frick it? it? I don't know. I think it sounded like it. <laughs> huh. I can't even, Oh, I didn't even know it. You're censoring yourself. It's, it's, it's really good. We got some messages about me with a, uh, with a potty mouth oh. that I'm trying to work oh, on. Sorry. It, so. I think I, um, I said a few curse words. I tried not to. It's okay. It says explicit on our episodes. Oh, okay. I've Good. just never heard someone say, well, frick it. Frick it. <laughs> Unless there's I don't believe that was intentional. So that's my subconscious. I'm going to have to um, rewind back and listen. What, what, what are you focusing on right now? What's coming up for Katie Knight? Now, like I said, I'm, I'm building back strength, building back muscle. Um, Go Ruck Games is a big focus. And then I'm in the lottery and, kind of have some things and work hopefully to do Leadville bike race into the run. So that's a big goal of mine. It's called lead, lead man. You get a pretty cool, like battle axe, I think if you do it. So, um, wait, what's the details of that? Is that like so Leadville, the Leadville 100 miler you do, there's a yeah. hundred mile bike race, mountain bike race. And then the next weekend is the hundred mile run. So you do them back to back. Mm. I know like a couple people who've done it. A lot of people have tried and they don't succeed. So, I had a roommate try. 
Yeah. Didn't finish the bike. Didn't finish the bike. Yeah. Well, was not ready. <laughs> didn't make it to the run even. But no. so that's, that's, <laughs> that's something I kind of want to be all in on. Um, building out 2023 race schedule, looking at some of the toughest endurance races, which I kind of want to go more into. Not that I don't love OCR um, and Tough Mudder, but I kind of want to like find things that I can like check off my list. Um, I'm more so an athlete like that. Like once I've done something, I'm, I want to go to them to the next thing. I don't have to keep reclaiming that title, which I tried to this year, but, um, so that's what I'm kind of all in on. And, um, also all in on like my training programs and clients, and then working with some sponsors and kind of doing like the whole, uh, like brand method. I was going to say influencer, but I'm not, I refuse to say that I'm an influencer. So good for you. <laughs> working with brands. <laughs> this title is this episode will be Katie Knight influencer. Oh, please. Gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to stay away from that title, no matter like whatever brand or, you know, sponsor I'm talking with. I'm like, I am not an influencer. I'll represent your brand mm. as part of my daily life. And I want to use it, but like, I'm not going to influence. Well, I guess you influence people to use it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't like the word either. Yeah. It seems like for like children who are, can't hold any other job, but like show their ass on Instagram to make money. And that's the problem with the word influence. Yes, that is. That's in my opinion. It's got a negative connotation yeah. behind it. So, yeah. So you're, so you're sinking your teeth into the ultra realm, obviously pretty heavy. And then getting the pointy end of your spear ready for some of these like hybrid type events yeah but ultras are kind of the theme throughout these seem to these have stuck you're gonna start checking off some longer curiosities yeah i mean like when it comes to like the hardest endurance races in the world it doesn't really include barbells right so it is more ultra endurance focused so that's that will be the goal for this next year um still laying out that schedule trying to like piece everything together so yeah but go rock game I'll be the, the big one in April and then I'll, I'm going to throw some things in before that, but working on what. Okay, cool. And you just mentioned your, um, your training and stuff. So where can people kind of dig into that and, and what do you do exactly there? Yeah. So you can find my Instagram K80 underscore night. Um, you can go to nighttime training.com. Um, so I do, I have like a hybrid program, which is like kind of what I do, just not as intense or not as much volume. Uh, but you have days in the gym and endurance work for that. You have, I have another program called body shred, which is just like aesthetics, looking good, feeling good. Um, and then I do one-on-one -on -one personal training um, online. And that's fun. Cause like I said, I love coaching. Um, I miss that I miss coaching classes, but you know, online works as well. And it's, you know, more accessible to a lot of people. So it works for them. And do you do face to face um, online training where you're actually getting on a screen or do you just just I say write prescription and have them executed on their own. Yep, that one. So yeah, I don't do any like Zoom things like that. When COVID hit, I did a bunch for Oracle, but that it was interesting. Um I think I having like consultations or like check-ins are better. So they do their prescribed work and then they can check in with you or check in with me. Um I like that more. That's what I do as well. Yeah. And then maybe one monthly call, but yeah, written prescription, same thing. Yep. Okay, I'm done with all my questions, Bracken. Now I just have one left. You and I almost never call our shots. Where I was like, oh, I might show up, I might not. But we like having other people kind of call shots. So if you look back, let's say we talk next year this time. Mm -hmm. What have you accomplished 
in 2022 race wise or title wise like what would be a complete awesome year for you if you could put you mean 2023 yeah whatever it's not a math show but what what would you put on your mantle (laughs) at the end of the year well, wait, so for of last year or if this coming year? We for talk, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that I put on the mantle that uh, I'm go Rec Games champ again. Um, that is one that I'll want to reclaim. And then uh, Leadville, so Leadman, I want that one. Um, and then there's some like endurance races over in Europe that I'm looking at. Um, I don't think I'll ever win Otillo Swim Run World Championships, but um, top 10 would be cool to put on the mantle. Well, I might go over and do that again this year. Would you do Norseman? I would love to do that. I told Hunter a year ago, if he ever goes after it, I'm there with him. Yeah. Like those are the the events that I want to go after um, this coming year. So not, not so much Spartans, things like that. Again, I love that world, but I really, really want to, start checking like the hardest endurance races off the list. And that is one of them for sure. That's nasty. You should do it too. We'll make a plan. <laughs> really? If, if, if someone goes, I'm going. Yeah. Deal. Get ready. <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> all right. Katie, who would win in a fight? You or Bracken? That's actually my last question. <laughs> what kind of fight? <laughs> like a physical fist fight. That's a sign right there of someone who can handle themselves is they ask for clarification on what, what we're actually doing what fight yeah um he probably definitely would <laughs> oh god i thought you were gonna say yourself all right i don't want this to become a thing where you ask every guest <laughs> <laughs> you ask every guest <laughs> sorry no i don't the but last I... two chris, he, he tried to promote a fight with me and chris last week and now he's starting it with you i don't i don't like it I didn't. Per- Bracken said he wanted to fight Chris for months, and it, he finally had his chance, and he put his tail between his legs like a little baby. And oh, you did. You wanted like so like anyway. box or like wrestle. <laughs> on our other podcast, on Race Brain, Rich Ryan said was talking that he was going to fight someone in jest, and he's like, "All right, I need to know who. If you could fight one person in the industry, who would you fight?" And I wasn't going to make waves, so I ch- I said Chris Roglowski. I'm sick of her thinking she can do everything in the sport all at once. And it was a it was a throwaway line, and it took on a life of its own. But now Kirk's trying to get every female guest we have to knock me out. I really am. I, w- I would pay to see Bracken. I would pay to see you and Chris fight. I would. Let's make it happen. Me too. I would say that if you and I were on skates, I don't stand a chance. Yeah, there you go. That's why I asked what fight. Like, if it was a, a skating fight, yeah, I would win. Or skis, apparently. Skis? Self-admittedly, not good. Oh, I, I bought uh, skate skis last winter, and I went out three times, and I couldn't figure it out. Me too. It is so hard. And I was, like, drenched in sweat. I was like, why is this so hard? I know how to ice skate. Like, what the hell is happening? It's a very different motion. I could not skate ski. And I want to blame it on, it was like drizzling and icy, but it doesn't matter. I couldn't skate ski. So I have to go get a lesson this winter. I don't blame you. It was like, I, I went up to the mountains a couple of times. There's a, there's a track in Boulder and it was so hard. Like I kind of got the hang of it, maybe the, to the point that I wasn't falling. So I get it. The front of my shins were just on fire. <laughs> I was gasping and oh, yet yeah. doing no work. It was, it's, it's hard. It's a hard sport. Ugh. To them. I picked it up right away. Come up to Minnesota. I'll give you some lessons, Bracken. 
There you go. The first time I went out in my winter running gear, and the second time I wore sweats and a in a hoodie, just so that no one would it would it would think that I took it seriously because <laughs> I was embarrassed for what I was about to do. Just look like a homeless. Wait, did you show up in like your craft tights and like yeah, the whole the first kit time. looking like a pro in skis, and then you just <laughs> had craft tights, a Solomon top, I had sunglasses on, and the second time I look. wore my painting outfit, snow pants. <laughs> so bad i totally get it though okay i have to this is turning into nonsense (laughs) okay it's time to finish and i have to go cool well thank you for having me super fun that was a fun chat yeah thanks for doing this katie all right guys we'll see you later see you later